So Money, episode 348, Robert Monks. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. So Money is brought to you today by Wealthfront. Wealthfront is the most tax-efficient, low-cost, hassle-free way to invest. Now, many of you I know are interested in simplifying your investment strategy. You want to reduce fees. You want to work with a service that you trust. And Wealthfront delivers. It builds and manages your personalized, globally diversified portfolio. To open an account, the minimum is just $500, and that gets you a periodically rebalanced, diversified portfolio of low-cost index funds. There are zero trading fees, zero hidden fees, and advisory fees that are just a fraction of traditional advisors. In fact, Wealthfront manages your first $10,000 for free. To learn more and sign up, visit wealthfront.com forward slash so money. Today's guest is a serial entrepreneur. He founded, led, and grew numerous businesses in the financial services, real estate, media, and tech sectors. Robert, or Bobby Monks, as he goes by, is out with a new tell-all book. It's called Uninvested, How Wall Street Hijacks Your Money and How to Fight Back. An interesting perspective considering Bobby worked in finance for his pretty much his entire life, his entire work life. And so he is mm, blowing the cover on how Wall Street works. And he's got a lot to say. The book is really a way to teach Americans on how financial firms and money managers on Wall Street are profiting from our ignorance by overcomplicating the investing system. Bobby talks about how the system is corrupt and what we can do to change it. And he would know. He was once the chairman of Spinnaker Trust, managing over a billion dollars in assets. So he's had quite the perspective. With Bobby, we learn how to seek out a financial advisor who is working in your best interest and is affordable, how to negotiate with your financial advisor to lower his or her fees, and the costly truth about 401ks. Here we go. Here is Bobby Monks. Bobby Monks, welcome to So Money. It's an honor to have you on the show. Curious to learn all about your latest book. And of course, you're a veteran uh, when it comes to the financial world. I would love to pick your brain and learn about your money perspectives. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Let's get right to your new book, Uninvested, How Wall Street Hijacks Your Money and How to Fight Back. That's quite a, quite a subtitle. Mm-hmm. Do you really feel that way, that, that Wall Street is hijacking our money? Why did you want to write this book? Well, I think what, we, what we're trying to shine some light on is the fact that the average investor is being uh, systematically taken advantage of uh, by the financial services industry. Um, and by average investor, we mean anyone who has a retirement account, anyone who has a 401k, anyone who owns a mutual fund. Um, and we're not saying that you know every single financial manager is a boogeyman. Um, what we are saying is that the system is broken. Um, and, and if you look at a couple of examples, uh, 90% of the folks 
but don't have to put the best interest of their clients first. Um, fees are often obscured. They're often multi-layered. Uh, even money managers don't know how many fees they're actually charging their clients. Um, and it's the only business that I've been in, and I've been in a lot of businesses, um, where you get paid whether you make your client money or not. Um, so what we try to do in the book um, is to essentially demystify for the average investor, who we believe is quite overwhelmed right now, um, uh, what, what the, where they are actually are in the system and what the system is like. And we try to do that in, quote, plain English. Um, and then we offer some tools to the average investor so that they can um, essentially uh, renegotiate uh, the deal that they have with their money manager and regain control over their investments. So I would love to hear from you for the average person who wants some support, some handholding and guidance and advice with their money. What steps should they take in order to be in the best hands and to know that they are working with a fiduciary and to avoid these fees? Fees are unavoidable to some extent, but to minimize fees, I guess. What's what's the best strategy? Well, I, I think I think the first thing, as as the average investor, you need to realize that um, you know when you go to buy anything. I mean, let's say for example, you go to buy a vacuum cleaner, um, and you go out and you look on the internet, and you research, and and you know look at a variety of different types and compare prices, and, and then you decide to make a decision. Um, the decision about who manages your money is probably one of the most important financial decisions you ever make in your life, um, and so it's really important to take some time. Um, to really get comfortable with that person. And what we articulate in the book um, is a series of questions um, that you should ask your financial advisor. And to give you some examples of those, um, uh, do you put my best interest first? Do you have a fiduciary responsibility to put my interest first? Um, can you tell me how many fees that I am paying? Um, do you invest in the same stocks that uh, you're asking uh, me to invest in? Do you get paid if I lose money? Um, do you uh, vote your proxies? Um, and there's a number of other you know, uh, questions that I outline in the book. Um, and the important thing for the average investor to know is they need to understand the answer that they get. They need to feel really comfortable with the answers that they get. And if they don't, then they should shop around to other places because um, especially in today's world, uh, there are a variety of different places you can get uh, your money managed. Uh, and uh, there are some that are a lot better than others. Uh, and the big question, the threshold question that you need to ask is, do they have to put your best interest first? And usually registered investment advisors and trust companies have to do that, whereas the big box companies don't. Even if they are fiduciaries, though, I, I don't know any advisor that has a fee structure that says, if you don't make money, neither do I. Even with my financial advisor, she is a fiduciary. Uh, she has a flat fee of underlying assets under management. Um, so whether it's an up market, down market, sideways market, she gets her fee. Is there a way around that? Well, there are people that are changing now. I mean, I've recently seen um, in uh, ads, and I unfortunately can't remember the name of the company that was offering it, but they said if they lost you money for two consecutive quarters, they'd reimburse you the fees. Um, and so, again, the market is changing dramatically. There are that will reduce fees or do a, a partial uh, performance type uh, arrangement with you. Uh, and so, and there's 
I think right now uh, a lot of free compression um, because there's so much uh, talk about it and there's so much competition out there for assets under management. So uh, again, you know, God didn't come down and say that that money managers could charge a point no matter what. It's a matter of negotiation, mm-hmm. and um, and so you can negotiate with your client and you should with your money manager and you should ask them those questions. Um, and you should also, it's, it's really important that also money managers have some skin in the game and that they, um, you know, invest in the stocks that, that they're asking you to invest in. What do you think about now that we're in 2015, 16, and you've been in this industry for many years, we've trans we're transitioning now to a place and I think it's only going to get more, uh, more prevalent is robo-advisors. They hate that term. The robo-advisors hate being called robo-advisors, but essentially online investment platforms that uh, now that there is a whole school of thought around plain vanilla investing, indexing your, uh, using index funds, that just investing in some simple index funds and it's automated over 30 years, you'll end up okay. So why pay for a human being to watch out for you? What's your take on that? new design that new well you know i I think that i think the jury's out on on robo investors um i I think you know first of all they made a choice to invest in index funds and like all mutual fund index funds have their problems um you know not all index funds are the same If, if you read a prospectus for an index fund often um, the total costs associated with the total fees or expense ratios are not fully disclosed. Trading costs are not disclosed. Um, and at the end of the day, you really, you know, with an index fund, don't really understand what it is that you own. Um, and, of course, you have to pay the robo-advisor to tell you which index fund, so that somewhat defeats the purpose of below fees of the index fund. And the other problem with index funds is if something goes wrong, there's nobody to, to talk to. You, you you have, you know, when you use a robo-fund, there's no way that you can talk to somebody about, well, what should I do here? Um, the other big problem with index funds, I think, is the fact that they they systematically don't vote their proxies. Um, and so there's a, a lot of money that's left on the table uh, as far as index funds are concerned. And let me give you a very sort of simplistic uh, example of that. Um, so let's say a, a CEO of a particular company gets paid $30 million, uh, and that's part of the proxy, their executive compensation. And let's say that, which is true, a company like Vanguard, uh, for example, 85% of the time they vote for management. Well, they're voting for that CEO to get $30 million, when in fact, in many cases, the, the CEO doesn't um, uh, deserve to be paid that much. And every dollar you pay to the CEO comes away from the shareholders. And index funds don't really take responsibility for that in the broad market, which is not only bad for the specific shareholder, but it's bad for uh, capitalism in this country. You've been working very hard to, you, you brought up CEO pay. Beyond this book, you're also, a, you work vigilantly to kind of make corporate America more democratic. Where, How would you characterize corporate America today versus, say, 30 years ago? Are we in a better place? Have we made improvements? And and even if we have, what, where are the areas for improvement? Well, I think, you know, I was uh, chairman of Institutional Shareholder Services uh, uh, for many years, as well as uh, Proxy Monitor, which is another uh, shareholder services company. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with those companies, but um, what what we did was essentially vote the proxies for institutions. Um, 
And so uh, because uh, we had uh, so many customers, institutional customers, we, we were often, uh, and ISS still does, often votes for a high percentage uh, of the proxies in any given proxy contest. So it can be up to 20 30%. Um, so, in my experience, comes from a place where there, there is a uh, the, where the, the, that particular company had uh, power to be able to resist the hegemonic power uh, of corporations um, because they had to get us to make a recommendation for the institutions to vote their way. Um, and so, in in that case, uh, there is a a, a a counterbalancing force, um, but it's not enough. Uh, nor is uh, what the you know the regulation that we have enough. Uh, corporations, um, well, I think they've made some strides. Um, still uh, have uh, pretty much control over what happens. Um, if if you look at uh, the fact that you, we do now have a say on pay, which is very positive, so we can affirmatively vote for or against a, um, uh, a CEO's um, compensation, um, but we but it's still very hard to get um, access to and be able to uh, elect an independent uh, selection of directors. So uh, while I say we've made some improvements, um, they have been. There's still a long way to go before it's really a democratic process. How did you get involved in the world of finance? And um, I'm curious to learn, you know, your very first job, and and was that the moment where you realized I'm in this for the long haul? Uh, well, I've been a chronic entrepreneur uh, my whole life. I, I started as a real estate developer um, and then moved on to operating companies. And um, and so, again, I was uh, uh, chairman and, and co-founder of ISS as well as Proxy Monitor. Uh, actually owned ISS twice, sold it once, and then bought it back again. Um, and uh, that really was stemmed from my uh, from my father's work on corporate governance. Um, uh, then I was uh, I founded a bank, um, and then I was chairman of a trust company, um, and have been invested in uh, through m- much private equity firms who invest in various entrepreneurial things that I've done, um, and I've also invested through private equity. So I, I've kind of been around the whole spectrum uh, in terms of uh, the financial services world. So I, I really begin to understand where the where the bodies were buried, and what became apparent to me over over the long run is that the average in- Investor is really not getting a fair deal, and that you're ending up with this two-tier system. You know, one for the average investor and one for the very, very, very wealthy, and that is not a sustainable system for for our form of capitalism in this country. What is your industry thinking now? All of your peers that you're coming out and kind of blowing the cover a little bit, and not that I don't think anyone would necessarily be so surprised to hear what you're saying, but. With this must come some braveness in a way because um, I can only imagine what some of your peers are saying to you. Like, why are you doing this? Especially the ones right, still, right. Are you a traitor? What are you doing this for? Right. right. Um, you know, you know. I mean, again, one of the great things about capitalism in this country is that people get to say what they think. And uh, you, you know, the 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 positive thing about this is that you know, when we see a hole in the system and we don't think it's good for capitalism in the long run, we can stand up and say something. And so, I think 
the what, what happened to the financial services industry is that over time, um, you know, as we went from defined benefit plans to defined contribution plans, um, the uh, financial industry began to be able to service the 401ks and the IRAs, and the system gradually became corrupted. Um, and so I think there are a lot of people in the industry now who feel that it is corrupted and feel that it needs to change. Clearly, that's not all of them. Um, but uh, so I think there, in some ways, while there's a lot of resistance to what I'm myself and others are saying right now, there's also a sense that, hey, you know, we do need to change in this industry. And really to address the millennials, right? Because I think that for a long time we underestimated the power, the purchasing power of the young adults in this country, but they're going to easily override baby boomers soon and in, in sheer volume. And they are a force to be reckoned with. Do you think the financial services industry is really in tune to that? I feel like they're not really changing their strategy to appeal to this demographic. I don't think they are at all. And, and, and I think, you know, one of the things that is, uh, I think, reflective of where the millennials are, and my own children are part of that, um, is that they want to disintermediate. And what that means is cutting out the middleman. <laughs> and guess what the financial services industry is? The middleman. And, you know, you, you see that in, you know, all the different Uber products that are out there. Um, and, uh, you know, they're not, they're, they're much more, much more interested in, um, you know, direct investing and, and not having, uh, to go through some form of, uh, intermediary. So I don't think the industry is really prepared for that. Um, and I, I think that, uh, the whole, uh, financial, uh, industry and 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 the way we invest is is really changing at lightning speed right now, um, and so that if folks don't keep up with that, they're going to be history, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I'd love to learn more about you. What's your financial philosophy? If you had to encap encapsulate it in a sentence or two, what's your money mantra? Well, I think in terms of you mean in terms of investing in the stock market or in terms of an entrepreneur. Well. I suppose for our show, in terms of investing and just personal finance. Well, I think you know, at the end of the day, what what, what I believe is the is the best system that you can follow is to in, invest in those companies that you know something about, mm -hmm. um, and to uh, you know invest in ten companies. You can you can get uh, very diversified by investing in ten different companies. You invest in Google or um, or Exxon or any multinational company. They're very diversified, so you don't necessarily have to invest in a mutual fund or an index fund to be diversified. Um, and uh, and again, look at the companies that you know, products that you use. Do you like those products? Do you think they're going to go go well? And then and, and then you know, hang on to those companies for for a long time. Uh, you don't have to sell them every time the market goes down. Uh, you don't. You certainly don't want to day trade. Um, but the effect of that is that there are very little fees um, that are associated with them. Um, there are. Um, uh, there is a reporting process that is fully intelligible so that you understand these are the stocks I own. This is what happened this month. This is what happened next month. You don't have to go through a, a, a reporting process that, that nobody could read or understand. Um, and again, you know, there, uh, you know, if you look at, for example, um, if you invest $25,000, um, uh, over 35 years, um, uh, a 1% fee 
uh, with an average return of, of 7%, the 1% fee costs you $65,000. Right. So if you're a young person investing right now and you're invested through a 401k, you're paying the average 401k is 2.5%. It's very hard to get over that. It's very hard to uh, make up for the, the big bite that's taken out. And so if you have, for example, a self-directed IRA and you invest in your own stocks, I believe you have a better chance of doing well. Hmm. On the other hand, people would say if it wasn't for the 401k, I would never have invested to begin with. I love that my company gives me a match. It's convenient. It's automatic. I'm not really good at consciously saving. So there are there is that benefit, which it's hard to put a price on that. Yeah, well, there is that benefit, but just because you get a match, it doesn't justify being raped by fees. Um, and again, you know, uh, the, the problem with the 401k is the idea is a good idea, but, um, you know, the financial services industry stepped up and figured out, well, how can we milk this process for as best we can? And that's not good for the average investor. It's just a bad system. Um, there, there's, there's too much legal larceny in the 401k process right now, and there are too many fees charged to manage it, and too many layers of intermediaries. Um, and so uh, I believe that uh, folks will be, will be better off with um, you know, self-directed retirement funds where you can get the same match, but you're not forced to choose from a very limited menu that's provided to you. Often it's not good for you. Do you, do you know how, for example, 401ks, you know, how, uh, what, what is a totally legal process, which is called revenue sharing. Are you familiar with that process? Um, well, revenue sharing basically is a mutual fund which pays an administrator to get on the menu. Um, mm-hmm. And that is completely legal. And it is, it, it, it is basically doesn't look out for the individual employee at all. It's just what's better for the mutual fund and what's better for the administrator. Mm-hmm. So the, the president himself has said that $17 billion a year is lost in collected, collected advi- I'm sorry, conflicted advice with, with retirement products. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge number. And that's, that's money coming right out of the individual investor's pocket. Do you see companies changing their offerings? Do you see the 401k industry changing anytime soon? <sighs> I do, I do. I think you know there's there uh, you know there's more and more that's coming out about the 401k and how negative it is and how many you know fees are being charged and and I think that, I don't think employers you know I mean I don't, I am an employer don't like the 401k system and so I, I I think that if you look at you know there's some really intriguing legislation that's uh, trying to eke its way through Congress but is also trying to get through various states right now um, that looks at as sort of a hybrid between a defined contribution and a defined benefit plan. Um, and uh, I think within the next five years, you're going to find that there's going to be a, a much more comprehensive uh, retirement process that, that eliminates a lot of the problems with the 401ks. Well, Robert Monks, you've given us a lot to think about, including me. <laughs> I, actually had, I had a conversation. I mean, it's really funny that I'm talking to you today because the, just this morning I was having my quarterly conversation with my financial advisor and I love the team there, but I was very, I had to have a kind of a, an honest conversation with them about their fees. And I looked at how much I paid in 2015 and the market didn't do that well. And I said, you look, it's not a reflection of your investment strategy for me, but I just feel like if I'm going to stay with you guys for 30 years, that's lots and lots of money in, in fees when I don't even really think that my portfolio needs to be so sophisticated and so intensely managed, right? I mean, 
they would obviously disagree, but I just felt that it, I don't know. I said, look guys, I'm, I I don't want to make any knee jerk reactions, but I'm going to start looking at some alternatives because the fact is there's a lot of options out there these days. And I think the firms that are winning are the ones that are realizing that and saying, look, I know we, we, we had a fee structure when you started, but we're going to be flexible because we want to keep your business and we want to be with you in the long run. And we know there's a lot of other options out there. So whether it's adjusting the fee structure or, you know, like you said, if we lose money for you after two quarters, then you don't pay us. I think that's, that would be nice. Um, so, yeah, and I think the fact that there's the competitions out there doing that right now, right. so there's no reason why you shouldn't go back. Mm. You know the the the, um, and I think you know one of the things that you, I think when you're talking to your money manager is to get them to put down in writing what all the fees are all the way through. So their fees, the mutual fund fees, right. the index fund fees, and they the did liquidation that. costs. They did that. I'm happy and did to they, say. Did, did, did they did they include opportunity costs? Um, I don't think they went that far, but I, but I will say that the fee structure of our, of our portfolio is, I think, pretty, pretty good in good shape. It's like less, it's a fraction of a percent. Um, we're in very low fee investments. Are you invested in mutual funds? Uh, some, yes, but. So, so I would, I would, uh, have you ever read a mutual fund perspective? Oh yeah. I'm not a, I mean, so I mean they're impossible to read. Yeah, so I don't. No, nobody fun. reads them. Yeah. So I, I hate to tell you this, but nobody knows how many fees they're actually charging you, <laughs> because nobody reads the index fund. I mean, I'm sorry, the mutual the fund. prospectus for a mutual fund. Mm. Um, the other thing is opportunity cost is a really important thing to remember uh, about because you know again you go to your money manager and they'll tell you uh, okay we're going to invest eighty percent of your um, your portfolio are going to keep some money in cash, but you're being charged for that cash. Mm-hmm. So your total returns need to include the fact that you're getting a negative arbitrage off that cash. Right, right, um, right. Um, and, you know, that, so that often doesn't get calculated into the equation when people are getting their reporting. Um, and I think, you know, one of the, one of the big issues is, you, you know, the, 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 is is you know how people relate to um, uh, you know uh, some of the products that are, and some of the things that are coming out now as far as um, private equity and venture capital are concerned um, and uh, though a lot of people don't have access to those investments and I think that's unfortunate. Well, thank you, thank you so much. This has been really eye-opening for me. I'm sure my listeners will agree. Thank you so much and congratulations on Uninvested, an important book, How Wall Street Hijacks Your Money and How to Fight Back. That's important. Thank you so much. Thank you. I enjoyed it. That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Robert Monks, his website is bobbymonks.com. He's also on Twitter at MonksBobby. We've got the audio transcript and comments from this episode. We'd love to hear what you thought about what he had to say about Wall Street and financial advisors. Head over to somoneypodcast.com and that's where you can leave a comment. You can also download, as I said, the transcript and the audio. And while you're there, click on Ask Farnoosh. Send me your question for the Friday episodes. That's a wrap, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. See you right back here tomorrow. And I hope your day is so money.